The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right, welcome back to another mini pod where we focus on sports viewership. John Lewis, the founder and editor of Sports Media Watch, is here to discuss uh, the week in sports viewership. John, I wish I had a better intro than that, but I'm doing this on the fly. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. All right, let's start here. I mean, where else can we start but uh, with Taylor Swift? But by the way, John, I have to be honest with you. I- I'm not a Taylor swift hater or fan like i recognize her talent she's obviously one of the most famous people in the world it is i love the thing i love most is how upset so many dudes seem to be about her sort of jumping into the nfl and its impact that's the thing i enjoy most does that say anything about me like i have no i have no i have no commentary on her talents or music although obviously she's talented but this is the thing that i love the most because it has caused some people just to go insane well, uh, people certainly do tend to go insane for, for trivial reasons. I will say somebody who does like a traditional broadcast that's not focused on the stands, you know, to me, I look at it the same way as when they kept showing Dak Prescott at the Mississippi State uh, women's uh, Final Four game all those years ago. Yes, Every fi- I was there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, they were showing her, uh, they were showing Dak more than they were showing, uh, showing Morgan William in that game. So that was a little annoying. So I can identify certainly with the aggrieved viewer. I think in general, you just want to see the game if you are the, you know, the, the sports junkie that a lot of us are. Oh, John, don't be a grumpy old man. Morgan William, by the way, hit one of the great shots in college, women's college basketball history. Um, 
So, uh, listen, I get that, although I, my, my counter to it, and I don't want to get into a back and forth with you on this specific topic, but my God, how many times do we see owners? How many times do we see shots on the sideline? All these networks have been thro- showing cheerleader shots for the last 40 years to sex up the broadcast. So I, I just – I find it a little ridiculous, the sort of criticism of this. They don't miss plays like when they're showing Taylor Swift, right? They're just they're, – they're, they're, they're giving you a 10-second shot between something that's not action. Yeah, I will say in the NBA playoffs, they literally did miss a play showing Spike Lee. Well, that's terrible. Like I, that, I feel like should be criticized. You should never any talk to any producer. You should never miss a play. Um, so I'm with you this. All right. Anyway, um, Chiefs Jets do 27 million average peak at 29 million. NBC, as they should, puts out all sorts of data on how female viewership uh, popped for this game. Uh, demos were up. Yeah, you can start getting into the sort of the real sports media viewership nerdy stuff as to like how much of an increase is it or not. My contention would be just strictly John on awareness. And we're certainly seeing a lot of metrics like jersey sales or social media impressions. Taylor Swift has an impact on viewership. There's just you cannot convince me that even though I re- I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree Chiefs Jets because of the markets and because of the Chiefs, would do good numbers. But it seems inconceivable to me that she did not have some kind of impact on that viewership, just given her megastardom. How did you see it? Well, I I think that game, you know, the Chiefs are very popular. The Jets had Rodgers been healthy. Maybe that would be the kind of number you would expect. In the alternate reality where Rodgers didn't tear his Achilles and the Jets are maybe you know, two and one kind of getting some hype behind them. I could see that kind of viewership for that game, but that's not the reality we're in. So what explains why that game did so well? I would have to say, especially given NBC says 2.1 million more female viewers for that game than for the first three weeks. Uh, You know, I I think it's, it's hard to dispute that there was some impact there. Um, you know, maybe some of it was because it was a closer than expected game, which always helps. And, you know, NBC's first three Sunday night games, one of them was Dallas over New York by 40. Uh, so that, you know, wasn't the kind of pop they would normally have gotten there. But, um, you know, I, I second largest audience of the season for Chiefs against a pretty bad looking Jets team, even though they were uh, able to keep it close. I can't see any other reason why it did that well. Maybe 22 million, I could look at and say, all right, yeah, that's more, that's, that's, that's kind of a normal audience. Once you're getting to nearly 25 million just on Nielsen, nearly 27 million overall, that's, that's different. All right, John, I mean, we can probably talk about Telus for forever, but, uh, we'll, we'll follow that story as it, uh, continues. Obviously, I'll be curious the next time, um, if this does happen, she shows up, but obviously a national game. We'll see what the, um, how the viewership plays on that. I did want to ask you, John, about CBS, who um, have really gotten off to a great Sunday start. Um, you know, reading CBS's releases, it seems like every week they're talking about, you know, setting records for this week, setting records for this week in September. And the window of the Bills, Dolphins, and Raiders, Chargers once again, gave them a pretty significant single header window pop, right, for week four? 
Yeah, they were up uh, 5% in ratings, 10% in viewership from a week four last year, which was on Fox. Uh, as you said, they've had increases for four out of their six windows this season, which uh, you certainly can't complain about. They had the big week one audience, one of their most watched week one games, with the caveat that they didn't have double headers in week one until recently. But if you compare it to Fox, Fox has had seven windows this season. All of them have had ratings decline, and six of them have had declines in viewership. So what CBS is seeing is certainly a lot better than what Fox has seen so far. Do you think that has to do with the strength of the AFC and the great quarterbacks in the AFC? Yeah. I mean, already this season, Fox has here three windows that feature the Packers. And even though Green Bay is a historic team, they seem to be off to a decent start this season. You know, that's not the same as when they had Aaron Rodgers. People seem to, people still need to get to know, you know, uh, Jordan Love. So I think having the established stars in the AFC, let's take a look at all the uh, CBS featured games this season. Bengals-Browns, one of their only games to decline. Uh, but then you have Eagles-Patriots, uh, Chiefs-Jaguars. Uh, Patriots-Jets surprisingly did well. Uh, and, of course, Dolphins-Bills. Uh, one of the only other declines they had was uh, Jets-Cowboys. Dallas won that by 20. So, you know, deal with, uh, with the on-field impact sometimes. But, you know, the AFC has all those young quarterbacks, all those stars. And for the longest time, the AFC took a backseat to the NFC. But I, I think that's starting to uh, to shift. No, that, that, I think that has shifted. Uh, the other thing I will say, and um, I talked to Mike Mulvihill about this, Fox's director of analytics and strategy prior to the season, that Fox has backloaded its schedule with the Cowboys. And, and that will pay off at some point down the road, you know, unless they obviously go into the tank. I, I don't expect there's any chance of that happening unless there's massive injury. So I do, John, expect later in the year, that's where Fox should really start to roll a little bit because their schedule does dictate with the Cowboys late that they should do well. Yeah, well, if you have the Cowboys toward the end of the year and some of those big games and they've got a great record, as long as those games aren't, you know, unwatchable like a lot of the Cowboys games have been this season with the blowouts, as long as those games are good, Fox will be uh, certainly reaping the rewards. One uh, last thing on the NFL before we get to college football. Um, Thursday night, Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video's Thursday night football post game has put up some nice numbers, I noticed. Uh, I saw the uh, um, the PR camp there, Alana Russo, Tim Buckman and company put out that uh, they were averaging 2.2 million viewers um, for that post game, which was up pretty significant last year. Um, that's a good sign for Amazon. You know, again, like um, th- they're, they're starting from zero in terms of any kind of pregame or postgame. And their whole sort of ethos was we're going to try – I mean, this is obviously a very hard thing to do, but we're going to try to make it an inside-the-NBA kind of feel where we have players come on to our set. We have a lot of fun in the post game, And at least early on, John, uh, through the first couple weeks of the season, it does feel like they've found something. Again, this no one is saying this is Fox NFL Sunday. It's going to be the you know the big pregame, postgame show for the next 50 years, but – they have found something, at least based on viewership. I don't know if you've checked it out at all or if you have any thoughts on that. Well, you know, I mean, obviously they put together uh, something that's sorely missing in the NFL pregame space, a young kind of fresh-based team. Uh, you look at Fox, those guys have been doing it 30 years. They're acclaimed for a good reason. But the longer you go on, you need to have that connection to the current game. Even a show like Inside the NBA 
kind of suffers for that lack of connection to the current game. Obviously, the the chemistry that they have makes up for it. But uh, I think you're seeing with Amazon very recent players. Uh, a lot of these folks have played with and against current stars. Uh, Tony Gonzalez being the exception, although Tony looks like he was just playing five minutes ago. So, you know, that helps. Uh, I think ESPN's kind of trying to do the same thing, bringing in Scott Van Pelt, who has, uh, even though Susie Culver got a, a horribly raw deal from them, uh, Scott Van Pelt is 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 perfect for that role and uh, bringing in some of the other young guys that they have there. Uh, I definitely think that's been sorely missing in the NFL, where, you know, a lot of those analysts have been around for a while and maybe don't have that connection. We even saw that with Rodney Harrison the other day on NBC, kind of seeming to be more critical of uh, Zach Wilson than I think a lot of the current players are comfortable with. So uh, I think that might help. And, uh, you know, let's give Amazon credit. They put together in two years an NFL uh, broadcast that feels like a big time broadcast, even with some of the imperfections. Obviously, we know Al and, and Herb Street are still trying to mesh a little bit, but uh, I think all in all, they've done a pretty good job. Yeah, you said a couple of things there. I totally agree with. Currency is really, really important, and uh, Amazon has that. They have some guys off the field. Um, they seem to like each other, um, and I think that plays in terms of the the chemistry. You know, Fitzpatrick doesn't take himself that seriously. Richard Sherman doesn't take himself that seriously, at least on that set. And so, you know, they have something. Um, it is a perfect no, but it's generally speaking, it's watchable. Um, I'm with you. Uh, ESPN should have figured out a way to continue to have Susie Colmore on its airwaves, whether it was on that show or not. I don't know how you get rid of somebody with that um, experience and connectivity to the NFL. Laura Rutledge absolutely could have done the same uh, job that Van Pelt uh, ultimately got, but Van Pelt's excellent. I mean, you know, this, that happens to be a position where ESPN really had a lot of um, candidates. And then the last thing, just on Fox, um, I think uh, – a lot of that, this is not to be a pejorative about the show, but I do think a lot of Fox NFL Sunday's success really has to do with habit, John. I think people just are habitually used to watching that. And there will be a time, and I'm sure Brad Zager and the rest of Fox are thinking about where they're going to have to figure out what the succession plan is on that show. You know, it seems like Gronkowski will be part of that succession or whatever, but, um, you know that they're they they have a dominant position, and the one thing you don't want to do is give up your dominant position. And so they they absolutely have to think about what the next iteration of that show is. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering seven hundred fifty dollars off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January thirty-first. So don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. All right, I want to move to college football. Um, listen, John, we've been talking about every week on this podcast. Colorado has been the story when it comes to college football viewership this year. Um, the USC-Colorado game averaged 7.241 million viewers, peaked at 10.3. Here's something from Mulvihill that was fascinating to me. The five Colorado games this season have averaged 8.5 million viewers across Fox, ABC, and ESPN. John, that's an incredible number. Colorado football, right? From where they were to where they are now, they're averaging 8.5 million viewers for their games. That's like Alabama, Ohio State stuff. Well, I mean, you got to keep in mind, there's not a lot of games in the college football season that get over 8 million viewers, right? 
there's more than say in the NBA or baseball, but it, it's this is not the NFL. Individual game windows are you're talking Michigan, Ohio State, and maybe a few top ten clashes here or there. You're not seeing a single team get eight million viewers on average over five games. Uh, so the fact that Colorado, you know, this is you know the North Charleston locators of college football for a long time, right? I mean, nobody cared about this team. All of a sudden, they are the number one draw beyond Alabama, beyond Texas, Ohio State, Notre Dame. It's just incredible. And what was really amazing about this audience this past week, because it was the least watched Colorado game of the season. But you still managed after they got humbled and humiliated, uh, Oregon running up the score, trying to make them look bad. Seven million people still came back for more after that. And uh, that's incredible because now the question has been answered. They're not a playoff contender. They're not the equals of those big teams. And yet 7.2 million tuning in for an unranked Colorado team en route to a second loss. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next week on Pac-12 Network, not Nielsen rated. And then after that, if they were to lose to, say, Arizona State, you know, then, you know, you're talking a three and three team, three straight losses, you know. I don't know, but right now, as it stands, there's still the talk of the town in this sport. Uh, Mulvihill's, uh, you know, sort of parallel to ESPN, Flora Kelly, who's someone else we have great respect for. Um, and again, she's sort of ESPN's research data guru, put out that this is the best five-week start in seven years to an ESPN college football schedule. And that's before, obviously, the SEC contract kicks in. So ESPN, John, for September has also put up great uh, numbers. Obviously, Colorado's a major help for them. But is there something else to this? Like, from your perspective, I mean, is Colorado as the outlier the reason why um, Flora would put that number out? Or is it is it something else? I mean, the, you know, the reality is, like, they're, it's not like, you know, sort of be careful on this, because I'm not, I, I certainly, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, Stuart Mandel and company in college football. But it's not like there's like 20 like household like surefire number one picks right now in college football at the quarterback position. Like, you know, Caleb Williams, obviously Deion's son look great. But like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so is, I'm trying to figure out like what's what might be the reasoning for the college viewership pop other than maybe just, I don't know, people are just super excited about it. Is it Michigan's a top five team? Like, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, it helps that FSU and Texas are good. Uh, FSU, yeah, there you go. Good, excellent. Good point. I mean, FSU matters to people, uh, and it, it it's easy to forget that FSU matters to people because they have not been very good over the past years. I know they did win a national title, but uh, that was maybe one or two years. But they were t when we were younger, they were a big television team, so that does matter. Yeah, yeah, and Texas obviously as well. Those are big teams. Um, Ohio State played Notre Dame. That's always good. That was a, a big game last year, big game this year. Texas, Alabama, another big game. FSU, LSU, another big game. Uh, F Clemson, FSU playing these close road games, back-to-back -back weeks, Boston College and Clemson. Georgia having two tough games against Auburn and South Carolina that are ranked number 10 and number 11 for the season. Notre Dame, two close games, Ohio State, and then against Duke, which is an underdog, but carries all of that profile from their basketball Everybody Correct. Knows. Yeah, it's a it's a name brand school. That's these are really good points, John. Yeah. So it's a, it's been a great season so far. I mean, this is a lot like that 2007 season in terms of 
you know, that you just really don't know who's going to win. There's some interesting teams you don't typically see that are doing well. And just like in the NBA, where the NBA had all those underdogs, right? A six seed, a seven seed, an eight seed, but they were like the Lakers and the Warriors, right? Having those underdog teams that haven't been seen for a while, be your FSUs, your Miamis, Texas, that's a big deal. Yeah, excellent points. Um, I will have you back at some point later in the year because I, I don't want to spend uh, time on this particular podcast, but I think at some point I'm going to do the studio shows um, between ESPN and FS1 because there's, um, you know, I try not to uh, at this point even really write or do much about Undisputed because I think if anybody knows my work knows I find Skip Bayless to be loathsome and I think he's really – um, just hurt the commentary when it comes to athletics. But there's a really interesting viewership story, John, about how far Undisputed has dropped and the the margin between First Take and, and Undisputed. That's that's a, actually a pretty interesting television story. But we'll finish up with this. Um, Ryder Cup viewership was significantly down. I am the first to admit I don't watch a ton of golf, although I do try to watch the majors, and I, I will watch the Ryder Cup. Um so I'm coming at this a little bit from a novice perspective, but from your perspective, like, is it because the first two days were so, um, such a struggle for the U S but then I would make the argument that, okay, like as long as they were mathematically alive, which they were, wouldn't golf fans like want to tune in big on Sunday. So is it the fact that it was in Europe? Like what's it? And it was an early, earlier, um, viewership play. Like, do you have any thoughts as to why the Ryder cup dropped? Well, I do, but I don't have the data in front of me. But I'm wondering if that NBC window being 6 o'clock onward, 6 a.m. onward, may have had a role. Like, I don't know what the time slot was in 2018. Maybe that 2018 window was 8 or 9 a.m. 2018 was France. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, European, but you know the way they do it sometimes. They'll Even if the telecast starts at 3 a.m., they might start the uh, ratings clock at 7. You know what I mean? Uh, so without that in front of me, I can't say for sure that this is apples to apples in that way. My suspicion is that, as you said, the blowout, you know, people don't want to watch the United States get smoked, right? For the most part, people are not rooting against their own country unless it happens to be women's soccer or men's basketball, right? But people are not typically rooting against their own country. And the U.S. was just getting uh, embarrassed uh, that first day. Uh, and uh, it's also the case that some of the things in golf that, uh, you know, constitute controversy are not that interesting. Uh, this thing where Patrick Cantley didn't want to wear the hat and then Rory McIlroy was upset because someone was waving a hat nearby. But usually it's, controversy draws people in, right? Like it does yeah, get people interested. These are the types of controversies that someone who's trying to make fun of golf is making up as hypothetical. I, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's like I, I don't think it was it was too attractive for the Ryder Cup. You want drama. You want the drama to be tied in with the on field results, like in nineteen ninety or two thousand twelve. And maybe I mean I'll pay more attention, but maybe maybe you really need it to be closer. You know what I'm saying? Heading into Sunday to to get the casuals to pop in. My days working and taking care of my little ones can be a lot. I checked out care.com and it was so easy for me to find local, experienced, and background check sitters. Finding our babysitter was way more affordable than I thought. Care.com makes it super easy. Search for qualified candidates. You can view their profiles, read reviews and ratings, check their availability, send messages directly. 
get the help that you need. Care.com should be every person's go-to. All right, one last one before I get you out of here. And it just, you know, I'll I'll be talking about this more obviously in the next couple of weeks. But if I had to ask you sort of for an overview guess of the MLB postseason, um, up, down, neutral, do you have any? Obviously, it'll be team specific, but the Yankees are not in the postseason. The Red Sox are not in the postseason. The Dodgers are. Um, So, you know, it's if you look at the permutations, um, it's going to be interesting, uh, particularly for that World Series. I think MLB, um, no offense to like the Rays, but I think if you're MLB, obviously, there's some teams I think you would probably be secretly rooting for in terms of viewership play. Well, I know a lot of people were upset that the Astros made it in. I wasn't really thrilled either. I'm not like a big baseball guy, but I was hoping the Mariners would get in because it's such an exotic thing to see the Mariners in the playoffs. Yeah, they're a fun team. They're a fun team. Yeah, and but look, Houston getting in, I know a lot of people are unhappy, but that's good for MLB because it automatically gives you the possibility of an Astros-Dodgers rematch, an Astros-Braves rematch, or Astros-Phillies just from last year. That you're going to need in terms of storyline. You know, if it's not Houston, I have a tough time thinking about who's going to come out of the AL and it would be great for ratings, maybe Baltimore. Uh, They weren't a bad draw in the regular season, pretty small sample size, but There was some evidence that people would tune in for them, Uh, but really more than anything in a field like this one, it's got to be seven games. If you can get six or seven games, really seven is is what you want, Uh, then you have a good shot. Even Nationals-Astros in 2019 wasn't a great series from a ratings perspective, but you got that game seven. Uh, There's not been a game seven of a championship series anywhere because a lot of these other sports don't go best of seven. There hasn't been one since COVID. Uh, And this is actually one of the longer streaks where there's not a single game seven of a title series. Uh, It's been, what, nearly four full years. So uh, maybe this is a year. uh, If you're baseball, that's going to be your best bet is getting to that game seven of the World Series. Yeah, totally. Everybody would relate. Obviously, like I would like the Blue Jays to win because I'm just going to be a homer living in Toronto. That said, I find the Orioles to be an incredibly fun team to watch. This is probably, I'll get accused of East Coast bias here, John, but I really love the idea of like a Phillies Orioles World Series. Like, I think that'd be fun and I think that would rate. Wasn't but, that uh, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, ah. Cal Ripken and uh, was Pete Rose in that one, maybe for the Phillies? Mike oh. Schmidt? But I know I, I, remember. I believe game six was the last baseball game with a 40 rating. Wow. Good, good stat there. Um, all right. Well, we'll, you know, you'll, we'll, I'll try to get you back on uh, as we're in World Series time. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. All right, John, before we get out of here, let's do the WNBA really quick. Uh, Las Vegas against uh, New York. This is essentially what the, the league uh, dreamed about. Two super teams playing against each other. Um, there's two games on ABC. Obviously, they're on Sunday, so they're competing with the NFL. But this is the viewership uh, matchup that the league wanted. I'm looking for some pretty nice viewership numbers here. What do you think? Well, I think it'll be the most watched finals in some time. 
The question is, will it raise the WNBA ceiling? Will it be the kind of thing like we saw with Caitlin Clark in the women's tournament or like we're seeing with Colorado? Probably not because you're limited by that NFL competition. Games one and three on ABC, as you said, three o'clock starts off of the NFL. You know, ABC is going to add five NBA regular season games on Wednesday nights in, in January. They've added 10 uh, Monday Night Football simulcasts. They have no programming right now because even though the writer's strike is over, the actor's strike is still going on. They've got nothing. That WNBA Game 5, if it happens on October 20th, it's not going to be moved to ABC. I know that. But that would be a great opportunity for the league because the way the ratings look right now, you get Liberty Aces Game 5, you're not getting under a million viewers, uh, under a million viewers for that. That could justify its presence on over the year. Uh, but, you know, again, the big problem for the WNBA is that NFL competition. Those, those, the ceiling for this finals, at least for games one and three, probably maybe six, seven hundred thousand viewers, which you could probably do a lot better than that with this matchup, if not for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, again, the way the schedule, unfortunately, their, their season um, just runs into the NFL. So there's not a lot of escape on that, but um, the basketball should be phenomenal. These are. These are two great teams. John, as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem. John Lewis, of course, the founder and editor of Sports Media Watch. Follow all his work on uh, Sports Media Watch. Follow him on uh, Twitter slash uh, X. Um, I appreciate his time. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for uh, his extra work doing this mini pod. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And most of all, thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus